Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Let's turn there. We've had some incredible messages these past two Sundays. You know, I'm, I'm preaching about once or twice a month now. And I think it's good. I, you know, we prescriptively did this so that we could understand more about the five-fold ministry so that we have different people up there modeling something. We catch something. People don't just teach and we get it. <clears throat> we actually catch more than what we hear. And I believe God is teaching us through different models. You know, how many of you were here when Jake preached uh, a couple of Sundays back? <clears throat> he talked about being fully convinced. Thank you, dear one. <clears throat> he talked about being fully convinced. Fully convinced. <clears throat> I want you to consider Jesus <clears throat> with me. Let's look at Chapter 3 of Hebrews, verse 1. I'm reading from the Holman Christian Bible. Therefore, holy brothers and companions in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus. Would you say that with me? Consider Jesus. That's a strong statement. Are you fully convinced? Consider Jesus. What does that mean? Consider Jesus. Now let's look on. The apostle and high priest of our confession. A confession has to do with being fully convinced. Are you fully convinced? Do you know what you believe? Y'all, I've got a systematic theology book in my office back in there about that big. You want to go read that? I don't either. I spent four years studying that stuff. Again, Leonard Ravenhill said we got more educated people in the pulpits than we ever have, and look where it's gotten us. <clears throat> we need to know him, not just know about him. Would you consider Jesus? Consider Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our confession. What does that mean, the apostle and high priest of our confession? If we get there today, we're going to look at what that means, Jesus being the Apostle. Look, let's look on to verse 2. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now, every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ, consider this, was faithful as a son over his household. And we are, uh, we are that household if we hold on to the courage and confidence of our hope. Consider Jesus. I want you to consider Jesus today. You know, I've been thinking about what, what it is that would would give us the picture of Jesus. What is the exhaustive picture? I mean, that nothing else, it, it, it sums him up. What is it? What sums up Jesus? And I thought about some of the traditional things we'd say. He's the prophet, priest, and king. That's pretty, pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? The three major offices from the Old Testament. Are y'all listening to me? Is it going in? 
I, I see you pondering. And it, that's, this, to me, when I look out there and see that, I'm hoping that you're pondering what I'm saying, not something else. So, Lord, would you please put some boundaries around our thinking? Take every thought captive because we've only got just a few minutes here today to be able to get what you want to give us in truth from your word. So we ask God, put, put those parameters out around our thinking. I want each one of us to consider Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say to them, consider Jesus. <clears throat> consider Jesus. This week, I want you to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. All right, he's the prophet, priest, and king. What's something else that we'd say that's all-encompassing? Everything about him could fall right under it. Anything? Anybody want to throw some out? He is love. God is love. Definition. He's love. Grace. All right, let's, let's, we got, you're giving me some aspects there, but I, here, let me, prophet, priest, and king, that's one big one. How about Alpha and Omega? The beginning and the end. Right? He's the Lamb of God. You could say Lamb and Lion. How about that? I want the, I want the breadth of it. Woo! Okay. He's the exact representation of the Father. We're going to go there. It's what? Messiah. All right. Let me throw another one out. Author and finisher of our faith. When somebody says that they know Jesus, I want, to, I want to make sure that it's the Jesus that I know. Is it the Jesus that you know? And do we really know him? Are we worshiping Jesus of the stained glass window? Of our Sunday school book from way back? Or do we really know him? What is it that's all-encompassing about him? And I, I've, I've gone back in the last few weeks. I've been pondering again Ephesians 4 that, that tells us about the five-fold ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Y'all, if you go back in Ephesians, you'll, you'll look and see that, that it actually says that the church is getting this. If, if we're getting trained and doing the work of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, we've got a full representation of Jesus. It's the full picture. Consider now, look, we can sum up. I, I got to thinking, we ought to make a seminary that has five points in it. Not Calvinism, but five-fold ministry. He is the apostle. He's the prophet. He's the evangelist. He's the pastor and the teacher. Listen, listen, y'all. It says he's the full representation of that. And if we get this, and we as a body are living this out, it, the word is saying that we will, the people around us and we ourselves will see Jesus. It's really simple. Everything about Jesus can be found in apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, and teaching. Every aspect of who Jesus is. That's exhaustive, all-encompassing. How about that for a training program? You know, we've talked about interns here. We... Everybody's an intern here. Everybody's working here. Everybody's going out. I did a counseling session this last week with a couple, and I said, you are not just patients coming to a doctor or, or a, a client coming to someone that's a counselor. You are a practitioner. Whatever we do here, we get it so we can give it. Right? 
So we should see Jesus in that five-fold area, and we should be expressing Jesus in that five-fold area. It's really simple. We complicate it. Need to make it simple. And today, we're going to think just a little bit about the apostolic apostle. Jesus, Hebrews 3 says, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our faith. What does that mean? Well, there is a stink bug crawling right across the top of my computer. What are you saying, Lord? (laughs) Okay, interesting. I'm going to let the guy go. He's not really bothering me. I'm going to leave him alone. Put him in my pocket. Uh, You know, I I thought about a good name for ministry would be Sweet Aroma. Because we're supposed to be a sweet aroma everywhere we go, right? I do not want to be stinky. I want to be a sweet aroma. (laughs) To get sweet. There you go. Look, there you go. If you've got stinkiness going on in your life, just come line up behind this one right here at the computer. Thank you, Chuck. That helps. (laughs) Apostle, what does that mean? He is the sent one. Apostle means sent one. I'm going to share with you out of my own experience from this past week, and it ain't pretty. It's not. I'm going to be open and honest with you. I'm going to share with you. Down to, you know, in the, the last 10 months, it seems like every time I get up here, I go, boy, it's been a tough week for me. I'm sure it's been a tough one for a lot of people. I mean, been going through a tough time. Every time, there's multiple people raising their hands. Okay? But I'll, I'm just going to be really open with you and say to you, Debbie kind of kicked me and nudged me this direction this morning. She said, Johnny, you, you, you got to be who you are. Y'all, this last week was perhaps... How many times have I said this? It, it was one of the worst weeks. I'm not sure that I remember a worse week. And Monday, after this incredible sermon, I mean, Tim, when you preached last Sunday, I just thought, that ranks up there. I actually, it actually came out of my mouth, so I'm just going to say it again. That's the best sermon I ever heard in my life. But I, I, I do believe that's one of the best ones you've I've pondered it more. It's definitely the best one I've heard from you. And it ranks up there with the top ones. And it was awesome. I got ministered to. How many of you were here? If you weren't here, go to our website and listen to it. Josiah has been working on that, and he's gotten David Saucier working on it too. Thank you. Brian, I think, jumped in. But you've been downloading our, our sermons to the website, right, David? Pretty easy to go to. NHCFstartful.com. Just go there. Go to, how do they get there? Podcast. Go to podcast and check it out. You need to listen to last Sunday's message. Powerful. Powerful Sunday. Monday I got slammed. Slammed. I'm talking full on throw you on the ground. You know, I wanted to do this before I announced it, so I've done it for a couple of weeks. I now have office hours up here. How about that? That's good for me. It's good for Debbie. I get out of her way, and, uh, you know, I can focus on things that are going on. So I'm coming up here every 
every Tuesday through Friday at 8.30, from 8.30 till 12. So most of my meetings that I used to have at home or go somewhere else, I'm bringing them up here, so I'm at the, at the church. Other than that, I'm here praying, studying the Word, or doing some communications. You notice I said Tuesday through Friday. Sierra sat down with us. She's our administrator, right? And she said, said uh, first thing I want to know is what day do you take off? And I went, <laughs> funny. I have not had a Sabbath. I just don't do it. But we're trying to make Monday Sabbath now for us, a, a, a break for me at least, okay? That doesn't mean don't call me or text me. I'm really getting good at not even looking at my phone. And I've deleted Facebook from my phone. I do look at Facebook, but it's only occasionally when I've got my computer open. Are y'all okay? So Monday, I crashed. And when I crash, I, I just want to be alone. I just got to get away. I didn't feel bad. I've had surgery on both hands. The pain from that surgery is all gone. It's another new little kind of pain that aggravates me some. And my hands are not as strong. I have to have other people do things for me. Kind of tough. Stay at home. You know, I'm trying to do some things at the house, and I can't do it. I got to get somebody else to do it. Can't pick things up. I drop things still. I'm getting stronger. But Monday, I wasn't so much in pain. The fact is, I can't tell you what was going on. All I know is that it was dark. Now, I didn't go anywhere and do anything bad. I wasn't suicidal. But I was challenged. And Debbie was too. Everybody around me was. They knew that... I was going through something, and I couldn't explain it. Some of you are going, dang, Johnny, why don't you just call out? Have you ever been in that place where it's so bad you can't even call out? That's where I was. I was challenged. And I, was, I felt guilty for it. Seeing all the great things God's doing, all the things I can be thankful for, why am I going through this? And shame hit me. I was struggling. I went deep. It was, it was hard. Praise God, it didn't last the whole week, though I did feel vulnerable most days. I'd wake up in the morning and go, am I okay? I had to make a choice to take the next step. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I'm telling you, it was tough. And I can't even tell you what was going on. I actually sat down with the counselor and... In the midst of talking to her, in the midst of that, is it all right if I mention names with that? Is it? Okay, it was with Wendy Woods. I sat down with her, and she helped me unpack some things. What's going on? I went, I don't know, and I really don't want to talk about it. She kept asking me, and she pushed me. There's few people that can really get my attention. If you want to get my attention... You can talk to Wendy Woods because she can. She can crack the whip with me. And I unpack some things. What is it that you're avoiding? And I unpacked. We wrote a long list. Uh, she did. I didn't even bring a book or a pen. I, didn't want, I really didn't want to be there. She had to force me to go. That's never happened before, has it? In the midst of that meeting, I got a text from another pastor that had no idea 
he said, are you okay? In another, it was actually Alan Hawkins in New Mexico. He said, are you okay? I wrote back, no. <laughs> with, with, how about that, Tim? I answered the question with a no on that one. How are you doing? No, I'm not doing well. I'm, I'm, I'm really in a bind. No. Sitting with the therapist right now. He said, call later. I finished with Wendy. Talked to Alan. It's great. Unpacked some things. Y'all, that morning, my brother Donald came in, and, and he said, hey, can I pray for you? Inside, I went, I do not want you to pray for me. Don't touch me. Get away from me. I went, yes. That's my older brother. I got to listen to him. He laid his hand on me and prayed for me. I still had this thing going on. I don't, I don't really quite understand it, but here, here's the, the breakthrough, I guess. I sat down with another member in our congregation just in my weekly planning schedule. If, if you want to get in on my schedule here at the office, all you got to do is call or text uh, Sierra, and she will set that up. She's in charge of my schedule. And so she's helping organize that part of my life. <clears throat> and um, where was I? Oh, sat down with this other church member just for conversation at, uh, at our house. And y'all, in the middle of the conversation, talking about absolutely nothing, really. And this is a godly person. But, you know, we all have our perfect imperfections. And all, he, he would say that too. Just sitting there talking. Listen to this now. I'm being very open with you. This has never happened to me before. In the midst of just simple talking, I felt, I felt something spiritually, I felt physically something spiritually leave me. Just talking. Hand on my brother on my shoulder, praying things away. Sitting down with the therapist, that was great. Note, uh, call from a pastor, that was awesome. He didn't know. God was saying something. But it's just in a simple conversation that I had to break through. Y'all, I went through my house. I, I was sitting there thinking, well, if something left me, how did it get there? And what authority did it have? God, is there something you've told me to do that I haven't done? Is there something you wanted me to get rid of that I haven't done, gotten rid of? And immediately I thought of an ancient, like 200-year-old weapon from another, from a headhunter group, the real deal, that I knew the Lord wanted me to get rid of. And, and so I'm donating it to the museum out of Mississippi State. I'm giving it to them. I, I, I remembered... For months I've known that. I went up and grabbed that thing and I took it and put it in my truck. It's still in my truck right now, but I am in the process. Get, <laughs> Debbie said, get it out of the truck. But y'all, I, I wanted to go through the whole house and every room and say, is there anything here that this, that this spiritual darkness has authority because I've allowed it to be in my house? And y'all, listen. There's, there's two aspects of grace that wreck the gospel in some people. Two, one is a gospel that doesn't have grace that says it's by works that you're saved. Y'all, it's the blood of Jesus plus nothing. Consider Jesus. He is the one that died on that cross. Listen, 
It is a gospel of grace, and we receive it in salvation and should live in it as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God because we're born. We're born into this world one time as a slave, but we're born twice into the kingdom of God, a spiritual kind of kingdom that makes us sons and daughters of the king. But herein lies the other extreme of grace. If we have grace that allows a lifestyle of sin, I'm not talking about a sin, but when we live in a lifestyle of sin and are not willing to do anything about it and use grace as a license to sin, that's wrong. And God wants us to get, let that stuff get out of us. He wants to clean that up. He's forgiven us in salvation, but he's wanting to clean our lives up. I went through my whole house, and I'm going to continue to do that. But I want to go through my own life. Is there something that I've allowed, that, that, that physical thing that I physically felt leave. We can get into the theology of all of that if you want to on the side, but I'm just keeping it simple. I just want to consider Jesus. That's what he's brought me back to. Jesus, the apostle. Pete, have you got my PowerPoint? Uh-oh. Oh, Isaac's teaching the children, right? Uh, five. Uh, something about Jesus statement. Jesus statement. Simple Jesus statement. Got it? All right, tonight we're going to have a small group leaders meeting, just as I mentioned. The vision development meeting starts at 6 o'clock, right? 6? Is that right, just high? Huh? 6 o'clock tonight. All right. Go ahead to the next one. So we're going to look at why small groups. Come on. Small group leaders' traits. We're going to talk about this. Draw it out. We're going to talk about small group leader requirements. Uh, small, back up one. Small group traits. We're going to talk about that and unpack it. Y'all listen. We need to have more time when we sit down with each other and talk. You, you hear what I'm saying? It's not about attending church on a Sunday morning. We already know that. And I know that we're connecting in the week. But we want, there's, we've got a net here that's got holes in it. Fish come and jump into the net here, and they swim right away because we don't have the net secure. We need some of that small group set up. We're going to be a bit prescriptive about that because we want everybody somehow connected. Does that make sense? So that we don't have holes in our head. Go ahead. So we are a kingdom family. We're reaching up to the Father, reaching into each other, and reaching out to the world. Right? Next one. So here's the simple Jesus vision. Watch it. Apostle sent by the Father. This is our statement. This is a statement I came up with of who we are. Go ahead and just bring it all the way down. Because I want to get, get into this apostle part. Apostles sent by the Father, speaking the word of God, bringing new, good news of the kingdom, and showing the love of the Father, personifying the very truth that sets us free. That's who we are. We'll, we'll develop that some more, but that's a simple picture of Jesus. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Whenever someone stands up here, you should be asking, am, what am I getting equipped in? It, it, am I, how am I going to be more like Jesus? You, you can have a five-point uh, five uh, question of yourself, how am I growing in this? How am I being more like Jesus? Today, we're just going to simply look at apostle. All right, you can take the whole PowerPoint down. 
Let's talk about this just a little bit. Apostle comes from apostello, and it means to be sent. Apostle is the sent one. Jesus, it says in Hebrews 3, 1, Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. He's the apostle. What does that mean? The sent one. In Hebrew, there's a word shaliach. I didn't ask him how to say that. It's S-H-A-L-I-A-C-H. Say it again. Shayah. Shayah. Apostle. And the rabbinic teachers had this saying. The one that is sent is the equivalent of the one that sent them. Jesus is the apostle sent by the Father here. Look at Hebrews chapter 1. And we'll find out what Jake was talking about earlier. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. God has appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. He's the creator. The Son, here it is, verse 3. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That's Jesus. The exact representation of the Father. Anybody want to try to explain the Trinity to me? Y'all, I've gotten deep into theology this past week. The week before, actually two weeks ago. Somebody had criticized uh, someone that was close to me that's a leader nationally and said that they were in heresy. So I took their name, Googled it, and found what somebody was saying about the heresy. And one church, a big well-known church... One of their pastors had quoted this guy, and this is what he said. It it was just one simple statement. The Holy Spirit is Jesus without skin. That was a simple statement. The Holy Spirit is Jesus without skin. And I went, so? Okay, maybe it's not the full picture, but I I can go with that. Right? Y'all, they went back through history and documented how this was a heresy and talked about how folks had gotten off track. And you know what they did? They ended up creating a whole creed to address the issue that they were facing back then that actually was a problem. Today, we're living in creeds that we don't understand how they got there and we're fighting something that's not there. And what God is wanting to do is simply consider Jesus. We get so wrapped up in the complications. Y'all, there's so many folks crying, heresy, heresy, heresy. I want to say, Jesus, consider him. He's here, you see, heresy. Yes. So Jesus is the apostle. He's the sent one. He's the exact representation of the Father. When Jesus came, he was that expression of of, of the Godhead. When he died on the cross and took our sin, there's one theology today that I would say, be careful of. Some say that when he died on the cross, that the sin on him actually meant that he was not God. So for while he was on the cross with the sin on his shoulders, that he was only simply man. I just, that, 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 that does not jive with me. He is 100% God, 100% man. The exact representation of God. 
And here's what Jesus says about his apostleship. The, the only place that you find that it says Jesus is an apostle is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It's significant, but I want you to p- consider this. Jesus being the one sent, here's what he says about himself. The Father sent me, and as he has sent me, I send you. He even said to one group, if you receive me, you have received the one who has sent me. And he even said, if they, when you go out, sent out once, say apostle, when you are sent out, when they receive you, they receive Jesus, and they receive the one that sent him. That's powerful. Jesus is the one that was sent. What does that mean? Y'all, I went to this meeting one time, and they introduced me as a, because I'm, you know, modern, the word missionary is not in the Bible. And, and in, in a way, missionaries going out, that's kind of apostolic. They're going out, they're the sent ones, and they're starting something. They're laying a foundation to keep it really simple. And somebody introduced me to someone at, at, a, at a big conference. I'd, it was folks that I'd never really been around, but they said, this is Apostle Johnny Buckner. And so I went, whoa. You know, I don't like the title pastor. But apostle is more like what I am, but I did not want that title. But because of that, they took me and sat me on the front row. There was probably a thousand people there. And other folks were fighting for seats. I got on the front row, and I'm sitting at the front row. I'm thinking, huh, so this is what an apostle is. Listen, here's what an apostle is. Apostle is the one that's sent first. He's the Rambo that goes and charges into the rough area. He chops down the trees and digs the ditches. He's the one that gets stoned and whipped and beat up. It's not the guy that's on top of everything. Yes, we have the 12 apostles that were with Jesus, but there's apostolic ministry that comes after that. There are other apostles that are referred to. In, in the scripture, in the New Testament. And, and we are to be equipped. That gift is given to us to equip us so that we can be the sent ones. But listen, when you're the sent ones, I'm warning you this. Listen, this is what the Lord showed me in the depths of my pain this past week. When I didn't understand what was going on, I felt like he was saying, Johnny, you've got to go through this and go through it so deeply and so intensively that when others around you go through it in the days ahead, you will be able to lead them and relate to them and understand what they're going through. That's an apostolic ministry. It's not a place of some high regard in public. The road is narrow that leads to God. Wide that goes to destruction. It's not a popular place. An apostle Jesus, the sent one, I want you to think about the garden, the garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus, when the the weight of what was about to happen came on him, and he said, Father, if there's any way, if there's any way, would you take this off of me? Never the will, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you. He submitted to the mission. See, an apostle is one that's sent, and they're sent with a message or a mission, and they have the power to carry it out. 
in that garden, Jesus showed what you go through as the sent one. Paul said, I'm an apostle, and he gave all of the things that happened to him. I couldn't relate to that. Beaten, whipped. Well, I can relate to beaten. I have gotten beaten up in the streets. I've gotten beaten up verbally. People have attacked me in other places. Y'all don't. You know, I love y'all. This Boy, I need to be around you, okay? But the fact is, it is not an easy road to hoe. And some of the demonic things that we face here in America are actually more challenging than some of the, the demonic things that we faced overseas reaching unreached people groups. Got so much, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to wrap this up because I want, I want us to have a time to respond. I want you to consider the garden real quickly. Consider Eden, the first Adam, and Gethsemane and Golgotha, the second Adam. Adam went into a deep sleep to receive his bride. And Jesus went into a deep sleep for three days to receive his bride. We can talk about where he went, what happened during those times. That's been a topic of discussion and some theological things. And I've just had to bring people back to the simplicity of Jesus. Don't let those things separate you from other people. In the garden, Satan tempts. He comes to the first Adam. In Gethsemane, Judas comes and betrays. In Garden of Eden, God opens the ribcage of Adam to make Eve. And in the Garden of Gethsemane and Golgotha, put those two together, the centurion thrusts a spear to open the way for the bride of Christ. Eve is bone of his bone in the Eden Garden. In Gethsemane and Golgotha, the church is the body of Christ. So much you want to say. Let me just, let's, let's come to this, get really practical. Debbie started sharing some things this morning as we were, we were praying and talking about what God's want to do. She said, Johnny, you need to be very vulnerable. And I've done that. It's not about performance. It's about being broken in his presence. So here's the question. Are you tired and weary? Specifically, have you been fighting with your husband or your wife, hurting each other, and both end up feeling isolated? Are you struggling with the secret sin that opens the door to shame? Has depression gripped you? Ponder this. Maybe close your eyes if you need to so you can really ask if this is going on. Is there an anxiety that consumes you at the worst moment? Is there a fear that causes you to freeze when you know you're, you're called to? Is there an anger that erupts and brings guilt and shame? Do you have a victim mentality that brings destruction? Is there an entitlement that makes you appreciate nothing, least of all God? Is there shame that has slipped over your life like a glove, keeping you in the dark? 
Is there a complacency that has robbed your vision and life? Are you tied up with performance and perfectionism? Hardened by bitterness and hurt? Are you bound to your appearance? Are you lost in a wrong identity? Some of these things are our own choices. Some were inflicted on us. But all of it needs to be brought to the foot of the cross. Would you have that Gethsemane and, and say yes to him? Would you bring it to the foot of the cross? You could be free. Sometimes we have to make choices in our thought patterns and our feelings. But listen, God is more interested in your character than your ministry or your mission. I want to close with this. Someone wrote this to me. Uh, actually, folks couldn't get a hold of me last week. Sorry about that. You understand now. Um, I am doing okay. I've been doing okay for several days. There's every morning I have to get up and just ask. And I'm, I'm hoping what I'm going through is not going to be long term. I've checked out things physically. I've been to the doctor. I've gone through a host of things. Some of this has been going on for months. This last week was... It really was not based on anything. Someone sent Debbie a message so that I could get it. Listen to this. This is a dream that someone else had had. And it says, God immediately spoke to me in a dream and said, I am kissing my bride with brokenness in this hour. This is a most precious gift that I'm giving her. Religion has taught the people to hide and mask brokenness. But where my spirit is allowed to move freely, brokenness is embraced and welcomed. Brokenness is the alabaster box that I'm wor worthy of. And I'm asking this next generation to come now and lay down at my feet. I see many petty, many pretty alabaster boxes, but not many have allowed me to break them. As the honey began to drench, the entire crowd gathered there. Many in the stadium were visibly upset and began washing the honey off of themselves very quickly. And I asked the Holy Spirit what was happening. And I felt immense grief come to me in the dream. And this is what he said. So many in this generation, listen now, so many in this generation are seeking promotion and influence. But they do not understand that the place of divine validation is in the wilderness, not on the platform. They are ready to stand up and preach when I'm calling them to learn how to pray and lead from their knees. Beware the voices of this generation that will stroke the carnality of man by promising fame, riches, and greatness. Watch for those who will call this generation to the secret place where I will mantle them with a spirit of brokenness and humility like never before. The higher the calling and grace, the deeper the crushing will be. To those who refuse the kiss of brokenness, they will walk with human ambition and call it vision from above. And they will run and prophesy when I have not spoken to them. There's two groups. One that would wash that kiss off and the other that would accept that brokenness and bring it, bring it before the cross.